Hey everyone, welcome to episode 34 of the Bike Shop Boyfriend Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin White, and on this episode, I'm going to be talking about collaborations within the industry um, between fashion and cycling brands, as well as my take on a major brand's foray finally into gravel, and also going to be chatting about... um, An old friend that has recently popped by the shop made me laugh quite a bit, and a short Q&A, so stay tuned. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bike Shop Boyfriend Podcast and powered by Anchor.fm. If you are looking to make a podcast of your very own, it's super, super easy. Download the app, set up your account, and pretty much just hit the record button and start talking. Um, So that's pretty much the ins and outs of actually how this particular podcast is put together. Um, On this episode, I was going to be doing actually quite a bit of raw audio and sort of stitch it together in terms of a uh, situational slash... uh, feeling real documentary uh or documentary sorry um style podcast and it didn't really turn out at all mostly due to the fact that the escalation and pace of the bike shop has really increased in the last little bit um so much so that i can barely take out my phone to take uh candid snaps um reply to instant messaging that the bike shop receives since i'm also that guy um and it's just been absolutely bonkers. Um, can't quite say if we need more staffing or if it's really just more of a time issue of I'm just so into working at the shop, giving it my all that I can't really be distracted with by my phone. Um, but there you have it. I did want to, my best intentions were to get that raw audio and soon enough I'm gonna guarantee that there will be an episode where it will just be the raw audio and me commenting on what all took place um in the news very quickly uh on twitter it was revealed that vista outdoor vista outdoor vista ah they got a name um the parent holding owner company of brands like bell giro uh as well as camelback uh, they are going to actually be looking at, uh, they're no longer going to be manufacturing firearms. Um, so that's good news, I guess, on their side of things. Um, they will still continue to make ammunition, um, but they're actually looking to double down in terms of their investment in the brands that they currently own in the bike industry. So look forward to new innovations actually coming from those brands and actually things looking better for Giro. Um, Again, my official position on uh, gun rights as well as um, the political ramifications thereof. Um, I, for one, did not really take much of a side. My holding stance has been that uh, people boycotting the parent group brand, uh, it does affect the uh, bicycle retail portfolio that that brand does own and they didn't have a say as to who bought them to begin with so uh, I felt it was penalizing uh, brands that really had no say in who their ownership was so that's pretty much still staying consistent but it's good to see that uh, the political ramifications of boycotting a parent brand did to some degree work Um, that being said I really would not have gone around it 
about it the same way. Um, but I am looking forward to what kind of investment Vista is going to be doing uh, with Jiro as well as Bell and Camelback in the future. So those are my thoughts on that particular issue. So going to quickly change my usual focus of bike shop stuff and this and that. Um, my side passion? I, 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 well, it's not a passion. I'm really into it, but not to the point where it's consuming my life. Anyways, um, very quickly, I want to chat about uh, how a brand of coffee beans that I normally get, um, they changed their packaging actually recently. And I will say that maybe for the betterment of maintaining a whole bean of coffee fresher for longer inside that package. Um, in terms of usability, I find that the packaging is very disturbing um, and very awkward in terms of trying to get beans out of the package. However, that being said, I don't grind my beans to order slash freshness uh, when I'm making a batch of coffee. Um, I'm one of these horrible, horrible people that pre-grinds their coffee, puts it back into the said same package and then I just uh, use it as I go when I need it. Um, that's mostly for the efficiency of I don't have a grinder. Um, I also don't have necessarily the wherewithal to make sure the grinds are... I'm, I'm not that particular about my grind, um, but I do like to have fresh coffee. I get small batches and uh, it, supports, it supports the farmers and producers that make it. Um, that being said, I did switch to another coffee brand, uh, Monogram Coffee as of late, uh, just to try something new. Sometimes it's just nice to try something new. And this sort of segues into uh, my next talking point is um, Trek Bicycle actually has finally come about revealing a gravel bike. Um, I was actually fortunate enough to see a promo insider look at uh, this particular bike. It's known as the Checkpoint. Um, it's their foray, as mentioned, into the gravel slash adventure bike genre. Um, I kind of have to give them some respect in finally doing a proper bike for it. They got roasted Trek, that is, uh, by Bike Radar for uh, showing the Domane gravel bike. Um, for a lot of it, it really hit the mark of what people are wanting from something that is a bit more adventurous. They still want something very rigid, um, but they also want it very versatile in terms of what gravel can be. Um, and that's sort of where I thought the brand really missed the mark. They try to reveal something uh, similar to the coffee brand. I won't name them. Uh, and then they changed what they were currently doing into something that they thought was maybe better. Um, and like I said, they're told I'm lampooning the coffee as well. Um, but the Domani gravel was like a very much a missed, uh, opportunity to really capitalize and really get their brand into the gravel genre. I will say this though, that sales of gravel bikes are not necessarily higher than say even cyclocross bikes at the moment. Um, especially in my particular market in central North America slash central Canada. Um, that being said, though, the checkpoint does actually have more tire clearance. However, it doesn't look like it can take a full, uh, depending on who makes that 45C tire, it looks like it might not be able to even take that. So it's still a very small uh, amount of clearance for what is feasible with this particular bike. Um, 
that and i was also a little disappointed that they did not uh showcase the possibility of a 650b uh wheel standard that could fit within this bike as well um it was a missed opportunity i feel for their side brand uh bontrager that they could have come out with a whole new wheel line in proportion for the gravel scene to compete against say zip wheels as well as head wheels and also many other uh small producers of wheel sets um similar to shimano also uh as a failed opportunity to really capitalize on this sort of burgeoning new subgenre of riding that for the most part people that i've talked to uh customers friends fellow riders colleagues uh industries insiders sales reps all those folks they're really sort of into gravel bikes um just for how fun it is um i got to give trek though kudos for the integrated cabling it's a much cleaner look however there's still something to be desired for how they addressed the uh handlebar to inside internal uh routing if you get a chance to look at it, there's a few too many cables actually just sort of lingering in front like spaghetti being tossed in the air. Um, not my favorite. And then also too, I'm very curious if they will do a one by exclusive version, um, one by 11, maybe even a one by 12 should, if you've listened to my previous podcast, um, my speculation about a SRAM road 12 speed coming out in the near future um, i'm very surprised that they did not do like a one by version just that there's often a one by version of gravel bikes out there that just really simplifies the riding experience um, and actually i think as i take this podcast out on the gravel roads themselves uh, i think i'm gonna try and surmise why gravel is great um not that it's the be-all, end-all. I just want to give a little bit of a spotlight as to why. Um, and then last point about this checkpoint is the price. For what you're getting, I'm very curious how they justified the pricing of it when uh, a bike for the same amount of dollars from another brand, uh, in this case Norco or even Giant in this case, um, it competes a little bit better on those other brands i have to say for what you're getting for the look the aesthetic um and also more bang for your buck i have to say uh trek kind of hit the the bullseye a little bit they're they're within the target but they're definitely uh still outside of that bullseye of uh nailing it with the price point so um still work to be done i'm gonna give them pretty much if we're doing letter grades well, i'll go with a b-ish yeah it's a soft b yeah, almost a C plus even. You know what? Screw it. They're getting a C plus uh, for this checkpoint. So that's my thoughts on coffee as well as the checkpoint from Trek. Um, a few people asked my thoughts and I thought I would share it with you. So this past weekend was the Red Hook Criterium, the 11th year of its official running uh, in Red Hook, New Jersey. Um, this is going to sort of collaborate on that front too, but if you take a look at some of the photos, they are featuring a lot of collaborations between designers and cycling brands. Uh, that's mostly based on the teams slash squads that they are feeling in these races. Um, first up is going to be uh, the Specialized Rocket Espresso Team Kit. If you've seen this thing, it is holy smokes good. Um, 
the designer that they get for that plus who collaborates i guess on the scheme of the bikes and how they execute that um it's just absolutely fabulous and then also on a bit more of a restrained but also very tasteful note as well is the meteor coffee giordana squad uh headed up by colin strickland uh former winner of the red hook criterium series even uh he I think that squad also does a very tasteful look and represents the brands that are collaborating, coming together to sponsor his squad. Um, they do a tremendous job doing their kit as well. Um, I really enjoy restrained and then also over the top looks. Uh, so both of my uh, my my style preferences and aesthetics uh, were definitely. Uh, Eh, definitely well represented i have to say at the red hook crit um but this also takes me into another sort of view of when bike brands reach out to folks outside of cycling um mainly in uh design slash fashion sort of space um sometimes those collaborations are actually really really interesting and that they bring an art and design sense uh slash fashion into a cycling uh, industry that normally if you look at a lot of the stuff that comes out of a catalog from a lot of these clothing brands uh, and apparel brands I should be saying uh, is that there's a very conservative slash uninspired almost look to a lot of the clothing um, and maybe that could be a reason why uh, bike shops don't necessarily move a lot of apparel from these brands um, yes, a basic blue jersey or a basic uh, coral color uh, jersey is great. And some people are just totally satisfied with that. But some people enjoy a little bit of personality. And I dare use the term and using air quotes right now, fashion, um, closed air quotes, uh, to sort of give their own personality to what they wear. And style and fashion is pretty much all about that. We sort of showcase ourselves by what we wear in uh cycling um but also in society like just going to work how you wear uh a shirt or uh, a tie that you choose or shoes that you prefer um or a dress for the ladies out there um that sort of all goes into what how you sort of express yourself uh without using words and such but also i like how the outside perspective can give uh, a kit a certain look and that look can actually help influence the brand itself um, I don't know what you think but let me know uh, if you would like to see more brands reaching out to outsider slash fashion sources and design sources to create their brands look for I would say like maybe on a season uh, they could have like a conservative one but then also a bit more of an out there slash outrageous um, sort of fashion sense could be a good thing um you don't see a lot of brands doing this kind of uh well they're always trying to like satisfy the masses um however the giro zio sorry giro collaboration with zio ziggler um very very interesting and it's one of those kits that can actually make it look good um and it's still cool that pros can't even get this kind of stuff too except if they're on like these specialized uh and i don't mean the the brand um i just mean like unique targeted uh teams that come about 
where they get to wear like some really cool kit, um, it gives the regular consumer the opportunity to also sort of feel that uh, uniqueness of clothing and slash brand. Um, And that could also explain the proliferation of the luxury cycling clothing brand space that has opened up recently with Rafa, uh, Pod Normal Studios, uh, Ateki uh, as another brand, Black Sheep Collection uh, is another one. Um, All these different brands are sort of like popping up and actually creating some very unique uh, clothing options that are really exciting, a certain demographic and base. And Actually, maybe a good question to ask you, the listener, is if you are actually partaking in those particular smaller brands uh, that are being out there in terms of uh, they're putting out some great wares and they're actually showcasing uh, a certain sense of identity that hopefully their targeted demographic can respond to. Um, And are you drinking the Kool-Aid, as I would call it? Um, If not, that's cool. Let me know, too. Hope to hear from you. So I've been wanting to do this particular segment for a few episodes now. Uh, I feel I haven't done uh, any kind of Q&A or Ask Me Anything slash AMA uh, type segments in a little while. Normally, I devote an entire episode to these, but um, I just came across five comments uh, slash questions that I've been asked recently in the last two weeks um, that I thought I could share with you and hopefully you can get some thing out of them uh first up is going to be how often should i replace my helmet i got asked this uh, about a week and a bit ago um the situation went for this particular instance was they were involved in a uh they weren't involved in a crash however they sort of were clumsy and they fumbled their helmet and it took a bit of a tumble and it the helmet got smacked kind of hard on the ground so if that's the case um my instant go-to is most, if not all, bike industry helmets, except for downhill full-face mask ones, are actually uh, single-impact slash single-use helmets. Um, what I mean by that is if it takes one hit, uh, very innocuous, even type hit to the ground, or if it gets slammed, or it takes a bump, or a hit, or a collision do replace your helmet. It is not meant to take more punishment that way, and you may have actually compromised the helmet's structural protective capabilities um, based just solely on that. Um, Industry-wise, we sort of recommend uh, that every three years, if you are a regular cyclist, uh, and by regular cyclist, we mean like you're out there two to three times a week. Um, Also, one thing to take into account is if you are a heavy perspirer slash sweater, um, your sweat can eat the foam uh, that protects your head and it will slowly dissipate and lose the thickness uh, that is recommended for the safety of the helmet. Um, that can slowly, it, your sweat is very acidic and it can actually eat away at the foam. Uh, I've seen some that look like, uh, if you've ever seen a styrofoam cup near a fire or a flame, it looks kind of shrunken and shriveled like that. Uh, I've seen them like that when people are replacing helmets. Um, and then also UV deterioration. If you're outside often enough, uh, sunlight can actually eat away at the foam and compromise the foam as well uh, over time. So all those big three factors, if you are 
sort of lumping yourself into any of them, uh, I do recommend you replace your helmet every three years. It is an investment, but it is your head, so that's up to you. Um, and then every five years, if you are just uh, is just good for good practice sake. Um, one technology sort of comes about so that way you can actually get more value slash uh, safety technology built into it. A uh, great example is the MIPS system that is out uh, for a lot of bike brands uh, that make helmets. Um, it's an anti-slip concussive membrane built on the inside of most helmets. Um, five years ago, that was only reserved for the toppest end helmet possible. And within those five years, uh, we've seen it actually arrive to entry-level prosumer-based helmets. Um, and soon enough, uh, having talked to uh, insider reps for both Bell and Giro, it's looking like it's going to be almost invisible but built into the helmet capabilities. So that way you don't even know you bought it. Uh, it's in there. It's there to protect you and actually make you a bit safer. Um but that's not to give you a false sense of security for that it's going to save you in an impact situation. It just gives you a fighting chance, hopefully. Um, so hopefully that answers the question of how often you should replace your helmet. So next question is, what's a good bike for my dad who is a senior but loves to ride? Great question. Um, I can unpack this for hours on end, but it's really going to come down to what fits dad. Also, what is his current mobility? Uh, if he is a senior, sometimes seniors do have a lot of mobility restriction issues. Um, so something with maybe a step through might be a great solution for him. Uh, also something very upright, uh, a regular mountain bike that is recreational. If uh, your dad, who is a senior, isn't uh, terribly flexible. Uh, the usual recreational position slash neutral position that we see on most riders that get a mountain bike or a hybrid, um, it puts it so that way their weight is balanced between their torso weight, so they're using their hands to hold themselves up, and also their hips to sort of balance that out. You might want to favor something that is going to be a bit more upright, so that way it's really the hips, uh, almost like as if you sat your dad uh, or your loved one into a chair-type position on the bike. Um, that can be made with artificial means and fixes and hacks to get that position or to achieve that position. Other times, the bike itself is designed to be like that right from the get. So. Um, shop around, ask your local bike shop if uh, there's something that they would offer that could help for this type situation. And also sort of know what your uh, loved one wants to get into. If they are not necessarily wanting to be out and about riding, I wouldn't force them to get a bike. Uh, if they are wanting to get out and riding, I would look at um, this type of option, uh, something that's very upright, very non aggressive in terms of its position because maybe they not, might not be able to handle it uh, if they've been a lifelong rider you might already know what kind of bike they're wanting to get and uh, also maybe know what kind of riding they might want it to get too so it might even be easier than this uh, you just get them a newer version of what they have um, and sometimes maybe even just fixing what they already have and adding uh, maybe some new grips if it's a road bike maybe some new bar tape uh, always new tires. Uh, those are always great options to sort of refresh a ride that they have known and loved for years. So that's just my take on uh, 
What's a good bike to get your dad? Question three, I'm considering getting a hybrid bike. Why should I get one? I find that question kind of hilarious to try and answer. If you are considering it, I don't know why you should, but um, my answer to this is going to be if you ride pavement slash roads for about 60 to 80% of your riding, um, a hybrid or performance hybrid slash dual sport bike is going to be a great option for you to consider. Um, Also, if you are wanting to be more of a commuter, uh, that might be a reason why you might want to go to with a hybrid type setup. Uh, if you're coming from maybe a mountain bike, but you want to get a bit more speed and be a bit more efficient with your drivetrain gearing, uh, again, a hybrid might be a great option for you. Um, also, if you want to do uh, commuting on the weekdays, but you want to enjoy being a bit of a trail weekend warrior, but not get too aggressive with that being a warrior, um, Again, a performance hybrid with a front suspension might be a better bet for you. Uh, that's pretty much how I would approach this kind of question. Um, yeah. Also, try it. You might not even like it. So uh, <laughs> that's also a great sort of rule if you can't go for a test ride on a bike um, or get fitted before you go for a test ride on a bike. That's going to definitely be a huge indicator if the bike is right for you to begin with. So hopefully that answers your question. Fourth question, uh, you posted on Instagram something about blowing out the crotch on your pants. Did you find a remedy uh, slash solution here? Um, very funny. I did post uh, actually photos of a hole that I had blown out in my favorite pair of Levi's commuter jeans denim. Uh, they came out with this pair of jeans about six, seven years ago. Um at the time, this is when Levi's was investing uh, and getting into that commuter sort of space of fashion meets bike utility. Um, in this particular pair of jeans, uh, there's a gusseted fifth panel crotch built into the jean. It doesn't look anything different than the regular pair of Levi's does. However, um, that being said, having worn them for six years, the crotch was beginning to wear out and get a little bit of see-through slash a hole developed where my crotch is, um, for lack of better term. Um, and so on Instagram, I posted a photo of it. These jeans owe me nothing, uh, which is great, but I am looking to invest in a new set. So, uh, I've got recommendations from a lot of other sort of folks that have the same problem that I do. Uh, Rafa was one, um, Ateke, uh, is doing an apparel line. Morvello also has a casual line as well. Um, also, uh, Oliver's apparel just released a pair of, uh, khakis that really look interesting. And there's also a few other brands that were also mentioned, but excuse me, as I'm choking, uh, In the case of this particular pair of jeans, um, my ever-loving mom, she's great. She's a fabulous seamstress. She fixed and patched uh, this particular pair of black denim. Uh, So she patched the hole. I now have a patch on my butt, uh, crotchal area. You don't see it, but um, although I did post photos of the inside and out, a photo of 
how she fixed it. Um, she's great. She's tremendous. So that's buying me a little bit of time before I actually have to for sure get a new pair of jeans. I'll definitely let you all know uh, what I end up shopping for and getting and uh, maybe giving you a bit of a review of the fit. So stay tuned, I guess, on that front. Um, but hopefully that answers your question. My mom fixed my jeans. You can't hear that. Okay. Um, I am just powering up my Wahoo Bolt to answer this fifth question. Um, On your rides, what do you have for the screens on your GPS slash head unit? Okay. Uh, Interesting question. I guess I'm just waiting for my Element Bolt to warm up here. Bear with me. It's a solid question. So what I have here is uh, one, two, three, four, five, seven, seven. I've got seven different fields uh, that are being displayed at the moment. Um, So I have my uh, kilometers per hour speed, uh, overall trip distance in kilometers. I have my cadence uh, RPMs shown. Uh, I got a time of day clock also on here, uh, the time of my ride, and uh, meters climbed, and the current gradient. Um, That's pretty much all on my uh, Wahoo Bolt. Um, Oh, there it is. Um, So I haven't actually taken this bad boy out yet for a proper ride demonstration. Um, Going to be doing that hopefully this weekend. Uh, things have just been slightly weird in terms of scheduling, last-minute hiccups uh, at the shop, and uh, just trying to get a few professional things out of the way. Um, but the reason, oh, uh, I do wear a heart rate strap when I do ride uh, on my training rides. On those particular moments, um, I do collect the data. I don't like looking at it because I find that looking at my heart rate stresses me out. However, I like to know what my heart rate was for that ride, if that makes sense. Um, Also too, I don't have a power meter at the moment, so I can't necessarily track my power as well. Um, If and when I get a power meter, I will be, that's one of my goals this year actually, is to get one. Um, I will be tracking probably my five second power uh, from time to time not trying to hit targets because I won't be setting up a power target for any of those rides. Uh, I just like to know five second power just because uh, any type of uh, stopping in cadence, um, in terms of freewheeling, what have you. I just like to know those numbers um, if and when I get a power meter. So hopefully that answers your question. Uh, These are really great questions. If you have a question for Bike Shop Boyfriend Podcast, feel free to give me a shout here on Anchor.fm, iTunes, uh, Instagram. Uh, You can reach me at D-O-S-T-I-N-W-H-T. That's Dustin W-H-T. Again, that's also my Twitter handle, uh, Dustin W-H-T. And uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. So if you have questions, I'm ready to answer them. So I just wanted to mention um, a future guest on the Bike Shop Boyfriend podcast will be an old friend slash line cook uh, from my days when I was cooking. 
Um, his name is Maddie. Uh, he's currently a bike courier, and it's just very interesting how we both uh, met up while cooking, sort of became pirates on that particular ship of, uh, of a kitchen, and then we both left. Uh, I really went into the more retail bicycle industry space, and he went more into the subculture uh of bike careers and bike polo. Uh, he's also organizing a lot of alley cats too, by the way. Um, he came into the shop this past week and it made me laugh, uh, standingly much so. Uh, I think my stomach actually still hurts from it. And uh, big shout out to Matt. But he came in and he picked up a new pair of shoes. And I just want to say that it's actually very satisfying to get someone a new bit of kit that uh, one is going to, they're really going to enjoy. Two, it's going to fit right and it's going to three do the right job for them. Uh, in this case, he's going to clip into his uh, pedals a lot easier. Uh, he's going to be able to walk around a little bit because he ground down his shoes, the shoe sole uh, quite a bit so that there wasn't even much engagement of his cleat into the pedal. So um, that's actually one of those things that uh, – when stuff wears out, it's totally okay to uh, invest in new kit. Um, I'm giving you permission to do it. I'm not trying to sell you stuff because I don't make any money off this podcast. But I do recommend investing in gear that you know you're going to use. Uh, you know you're going to get a lot of benefit from either performance-wise, comfort-wise, um, or just sheer enjoyment-wise. Um, and also... Um, Cleat alignment, that was a huge thing. Sorry, I uh, lost a train of thought. Um, cleat alignment was a huge thing too. Uh, going from his old shoe to his new one um, without seeing what he did previously, uh, just comparing, I, I took a photo of it just to show myself really. Um, we actually moved his cleat position up just a scooch uh, in terms, or up just a little bit towards the toe area um, just so that he's going to maximize more of the uh metatarsal ball of the foot um to distribute the power that he's going to be putting out day in day out because that's his job um but that being said really great to see an old friend i'm hoping to get him on the podcast he is a riot i actually am really excited about getting him on the podcast so uh if you are wanting to actually be on the bike shop boyfriend podcast i would love to have you on this podcast as a co-host or as an interview uh Feel free to reach out to me here at uh, the Bike Shop Boyfriend Podcast powered by Anchor.fm. So I'm going to call it a day here and uh, stay tuned for the next episode. If you enjoyed the bike shop boyfriend podcast please leave a rating on anchor.fm either on itunes spotify google play pocket cast overcast oh my goodness all the distribution uh i love reading your reviews i love hearing from you if you have any comments or questions feel free to reach out to me on twitter dustin w w h t or on instagram dustin w h t love hearing from you again thank you for listening